imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. everybody and welcome back to our 16th episode. I'm Avery and today I'm here with Alexa and Annie and we will be talking about our God as immutable. How are you guys Woo! doing? Doing good. Doing great. <laughs> well, um, we're going to jump right into how God is immutable or unchanging. So what do you guys have on the definition of immutability or God being unchanging? Well, Avery, I have a definition from Wayne Grudem Don't right you here. Dare. I'm kidding. I just wanted to see the fear in Annie's eyes. So, Annie, you you can go ahead and tell us what, well, what Wayne funny. Grudem has. It's funny because my definition's from Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible. So, wow, Annie, you're turning over a new leaf. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Traitor! <laughs> uh, what is that quote in Star Wars? When this is totally off topic, but that quote in Star Wars when like Anakin's talking to Obi Wan at the end of the third episode, and he's like, "Traitor!" or he's like, "Liar!" <laughs> you said it against me. I feel like that's the conversation we're having right now. <laughs> you did that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right annie tell okay, us please so, what is what does dr grudem say um, Oh, what's baker say oh i don't actually have actually, that one <laughs> oh. and honestly i don't either because i don't rely i don't rely on one source for my entire episode notes i'm just kidding <laughs> called out <laughs> No, I'm kidding. This I'm kidding. going downhill fast. <laughs> Ironically, this is like the one episode I've used multiple sources on, but you would be right that I normally use one. So. I mean, hey, Wayne Grudem's a, a solid guy. I enjoy Wayne Grudem. But anyway. So give us a definition. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Wayne Grudem's definition of God's immutability um, which, by the way, immutability means unchanging. Um, but it says God is unchanging in his being, perfections, purposes, and promises. Yet God does act and feel emotions, and he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. Which I thought that was kind of uh, a pretty chunky like definition. And I feel like once we get into it more, it'll make more sense what we mean by like god is unchanging because that that was a lot right there to digest yeah i mean wait but annie who said that quote again because <laughs> i i didn't <laughs> i didn't catch the name <laughs> no i'm kidding but um <laughs> i think it's almost like comedic how this attribute is so unlike us like as i was studying this i was like if we were doing an attribute series on humankind this episode would be called fickle and what fickle means yeah. is that it's like changing frequently, especially as regards to one's loyalty, interests, or affections. Like that would just describe like humankind. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, just a summary of like immutable. In short, God never changes and God is not capable of nor susceptible to change. So that's, mm-hmm. I guess, something that we'll definitely unpack throughout this episode. But in short, if you were to just formulate a definition of that word itself, that's what we would probably say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that definition. Um, what scriptures did y'all find that helped point you to God's unchanging nature? Because I found um, a few, but my favorite was Malachi 3.6 that says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed, which is such an encouraging piece of scripture. Um, did y'all find anything else that kind of encouraged you and pointed you in that direction? Well, Avery, it's funny. I also found that verse and I loved it because we'll talk more about this, I'm sure. But just because it's talking about like God's unchangingness in regards to his covenant, like with Israel. And at this point in Old Testament history, the Israelites have had generations and centuries of idolatry. And like Alexa said, fickleness towards God. And For him to say that, to say, uh, I do not change, therefore, O Jacob, you are not consumed, it's like, it just, it just, it blows my mind. I'm like, God is so unchanging in his promises and his faith, like his character. But um, Mm. I also found in Psalms 102, 26, uh, or yeah, 26 and 27, um, this is talking about God versus humanity. And it says, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. Speaking about like God's eternal existence being unchanging. Whereas ours is, we have a beginning and an end. We change. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking about if God is in and of himself unchanging, then why do we see verses in scripture that allude or refer to him changing his mind? For example, Genesis 6, 6, which says, And it repented Jehovah that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Um, so when I think of verses in scripture where it talks about God changing his mind, um, I think of 1 Samuel 15, 11, which kind of goes along the same lines of Genesis 6. Um but first Samuel 15:11 uh it says I regret that I had made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Um and so that's God speaking. And so hearing God say himself I regret that I had made Saul king. I mean obviously Saul turned out to not be the best king at all. Um but in the KJV translation actually that word regret actually even translates to repent. Like it's the same Hebrew word but repent and regret are not really things that we equate with God saying or God feeling. And so the question is, why would God repent or regret making Saul king if he knew that the events would take place in the future? I mean, he is, after all, all knowing or omniscient, as we have talked about earlier in previous episodes. And so there are two things to consider um, that I want to just kind of like open up on the floor is that one, God is not like us and is very well capable of exhibiting seemingly contradictory emotion, but yet not having it be contradictory. So in other words, because he is God, he is perfectly capable of lamenting over something that he chose to bring about and yet still remains immutable. Um, John Piper actually puts this really seemingly complex like concept 
into an understandable like human example. And he said that if he spanks his son for blatant disobedience and his son runs away from the home because he had spanked him, he may feel some remorse over the spanking, not in the sense that he disapproves of what he did himself, but in the sense that he feels sorrow that spanking was necessary and part of a wise way of dealing with his son in that situation and great sorrow that he ran away. And then he says, if I had to do it over again, I would still spank him. It was the right thing to do, even knowing that one consequence would be alienation for a season. I approve of the spanking from one angle, and at the same time, I regret the spanking from another angle. If such a combination of emotion is possible for me in my finite decisions, it is not hard for me to imagine that God's infinite mind, the infinite complexity of God's emotional life, would be capable of something similar or even more complex. And so although it may seem contradictory to us, it can instead imply that God's previous action led to events that in short term caused him sorrow, but that nonetheless in the long term would ultimately achieve his good purpose. And then secondly, um, context is key. So it's almost as if God foresaw that we could misconstrue his words in 1 Samuel fifteen eleven because he says in verse 29, which is 18 verses later, and this is the quote from um, verse 29. The glory of Israel will not lie or regret or repent, for he is not a man that he should have regret or repent. Like, so God is not man so he, that he should repent or regret. And so did he repent? Did he not repent? You know, both of those words in which we derive the word repent, they come from the same Hebrew word. So knowing this and having that in scripture, we can conclude that God's way of repenting is vastly different than how we as humans would repent. So we find ourselves regretting or repenting because we do things or make decisions that in turn um, turn out to be bad due to our ignorance of the future. And that's the key thing, I think. So we don't know what tomorrow brings and regret future outcomes that, will either that we either plan poorly or we don't plan at all for. So however, the repenting we see in scripture is unique to God himself. Um, verse 29 tells us plainly, he is not a man like us that he should repent. And, he, and it is not as if God is saying, oh, man, if I knew Saul was going to be this big bad guy, I would never make him king. I mean, that's not at all the situation. He is able to feel emotions, including sorrow, while foreknowing the future. And I think that's beautiful. But I also think that we have mistakenly separated those two things as if you can't feel an emotion if you already know the outcome when that's not the case mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, Alexa. That's such a good explanation. Yeah, you really succinctly put that in a very clear way. Um, and going off of that, there's a Wayne Grudem quote that says, man brings to every situation limitations that God does not bring. The most relevant one is that man brings finiteness and lack of knowledge. What distinguishes God from man is that man often changes his mind because he cannot foresee all that is coming. But God, on the other hand, always foresees what is coming and changes his mind only in response to that foreseen situation. So there is a kind of changelessness in God that is not in man. But breaking down like your analogy even further, um, the story of Nineveh, because it says, God changed his mind there um, with Jonah, which I'm assuming most of our listeners know the story about how God um, instructed Noah to go or Jonah to go to Nineveh and prophesy and preach to the Ninevites and tell them to repent and turn to God. Um, and God tells them that their punishment will be in 40 days and he will condemn them all or they will all be destroyed unless they repent. So with that being said, 
God knew that they, it wasn't God changed his mind all of a sudden was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I was gonna burn that city down. But since they repented, I guess I'll change my mind. It was, we did not know that God would spare them if they repented. God did know that. That was an option. That was something that he had foreseen and changed, decided in that decree that he was, that would be the outcome. Um, and mm. Alexa, I had a very similar quote to what you said about the father and the son analogy. And it was being sorry God made man or sorry that God made Saul king. It's an expression of God's present displeasure towards the sinfulness of man. Like you were saying, Alexa, mm. we often think you can't know some like know the future and be sorrowful over those outcomes. Well, God can. Right. And um mm. God's previous actions led to events that in the short term caused him sorrow, but the nonetheless in the long term would ultimately achieve his good purposes, in which we saw in our definition, God's purposes and um, covenants and promises, they don't change. Those are, stay the same forever. Like that verse, Avery, you read Malachi 3.6, like we talked about earlier, Israel had all of the idolatry and God didn't change. and. In fact, John MacArthur says Israel's existence was due only to the Lord's unchanging character and unswerving commitment to his covenant promises to Abraham. So it, it's just really cool to see this balance of God's not like us in his immutability. Well, we're not immutable at all. And it, it and it's it's so it can be so admired, contrasted with the fickleness of man. Mm. I love that, Annie. That was such a good great segue into our next question, which is considering this truth about who God is and how he is immutable and unchanging. Why is it important that he is unchanging and immutable? What does that mean for us as believers? Um, So I have two really good quotes that I found. Um, One is from a, never heard of this guy. He's a um, Dutch theologian named Herman Bavink, I think. Um, and also uh, Ravi Zacharias. But the first one is for from Herman. He says, The doctrine of God's immutability is one of the highest significance for religion. The contrast between being and becoming marks the difference between creator and creature. Every creature is continually becoming. It is change, constantly striving, seeks rest and satisfaction, and finds its rest in God and Him alone. For only he is pure being and no becoming. Hence, in scripture, God is often called the rock. And I thought that was because that's immediately what came to my mind is, well, God's unchangingness brings about rest and peace for the believer because we are changing. We need that and that stability, that rock. And then this is my favorite quote that I found from Ravi Zacharias, where he says, immutability is only torturous if there's no guarantee of goodwill. So for the Christian, God's immutability not only brings us peace, but it is something to rejoice over because we have this new covenant in Christ that if you repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will atone for your sins. You will be forgiven. That's not going to change. That mercy, that free gift of grace is always there because God doesn't change. But likewise, which I know this wasn't part of the question, um, non-believers, Immutability should be torturous to them because quite the opposite. 
for the believer is mm. God is not changing. He will, if you have not repented and um, put your faith in Christ, you will be condemned to hell. There's a judgment there mm. that God will not change on. And so, uh, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's like sobering from that end, but then also considering that, yes, this same God who is so righteous and just, like who poured out his wrath like on Sodom and Gomorrah through fire, like pillars of fire, that same God who has that same reaction towards sin is the same today, but also the same God who was so loving, so patient, so kind to the Israelites and had such mercy on them. You know, like mm. he ne- he doesn't change and that should bring us to our knees acknowledging that. And um I just think like us studying the attributes of God that we've been doing so far. I mean, that truth that whatever his attributes were of old, so in the Old Testament and even now, his power, his wisdom, his justice, his truth, they're all alike unchanged. Like that's the same God that we worship today. It's not like he is a postmodern God who is super sensational. And like, you know, like we change so much. We have different eras of time, but he's the same. And I think that that is so beautiful. And I, Charles Spurgeon, um, I love this quote because I just feel like it gives us such a tangible, like way to just relate to this entire idea. And he says, the delight which the sailor feels when after having been tossed about for many a day, he steps again onto the solid shore is the satisfaction of a Christian when amidst all the changes of, of this tr- troublous life, he rests the foot of his faith upon this truth. I am the Lord. I change not. And I thought that that was just so good because you get that whole yeah. picture of like being tossed to and fro in the waves on a boat. But then when you stand on solid ground, it's like, yes, <laughs> this is reliable. This is something that I can just stand firm on. And that's the same for us, knowing that God does not change. That is something that we can we can stake our lives on. And that is something that we can live confidently in knowing. I love that. We're definitely making that a screensaver for sure. <laughs> on our Instagram. Um, But those were both of what y'all said was so encouraging. And it reminded me just of how too, like we see in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And because of that truth, like his scripture is true. And especially right now, and we're recording this, it's right after the election. And there's like a lot of unknown for our country. And it's easy to get so wrapped up in how much and how quickly things are changing. And it can be scary because we literally don't see, you know, the future. We don't know what's going to happen. And this is so encouraging to me to just be reminded of God's unchanging nature, but also how scripture is unchanging and all of those promises that are true for the believer and the hope that we have in our faithful, unchanging God does not change. When we change, our country changes. You know, we have good leaders, bad leaders, whatever the case is. God is still the same and that hope does not waver. And if God was not immutable or unchanging, that would be very bad news for us. We would be in a very different state of mind and place. We would have no hope. There would be no hope, no faithfulness of God. He would not be loyal. You know, he would not, none of these promises we have talked about would Mm -hmm. be true if he could change. And so... The truth in the in the fact that he is immutable is just so mind-blowing to me because we have no definition 
on on earth side for us as something that is unchanging except for God. And so I think a lot of what we're talking about is not going to be fully understood until heaven. And that is just crazy to me that like one day we'll get to experience all these attributes in full. And right now we only get a little taste and a picture and it should be enough for us to rejoice and be so glad in what God has done and that fact that he is unchanging. Um, And it just makes me look forward to and be so excited for heaven when we get to experience that fully. Mm, Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the election, Avery, like looking towards the future, like we don't know what's going to happen, but we know God does and that he never changes and that he has led the Israelites through the wilderness. He has led his people to the promised land. He has led um, all these things happen in the past. Um, all for his glory and our good. And so that's something that we can um, trust in. And then even just looking towards like, I mean, like him dealing with us in our own lives. He has all this foreknowledge Mm -hmm. of every circumstance we will ever face. He is never caught off guard by anything. And I mean, just stop for a second to think about how wild 2020 has been. I mean, yes, looking forward towards like the future, but also like this year alone has been wild. I mean, we began this year thinking that it was going to be the roaring 20s and everyone was like beyond <laughs> pumped and we didn't know what was going to happen we were so pumped we didn't know what was going to happen but god did and he always does so even though this year took us all by surprise and i'm pretty sure it's going down in history as one of the worst years we can rest knowing that god was in control of all of this like not even this year as crazy and sporadic and unexpected as it may have seen god has it had his hand on every single event and he still has his hands on everything he is immutable he never changes he is perfect in timing he is in control of everything and i just think like you're saying avery connecting this truth that he never changes to all the promises that we have discussed in this series thus far to all of the attributes that we have discussed of him so far he's still just nothing has changed even though sin sin seems to be escalating he is still the judge of sin and he will not let any sin go unpunished. So I think just resting in that and connecting this truth and this attribute to all the other attributes we've discussed so far, it's just such a comfort for us as believers. Yes. Yes. Amen. And even like uh, on the most personal level, God doesn't change in how he, like whether it's um, Something bad is happening in your life, like personally, loss of a parent, wayward sibling, whatever it is. Like, God doesn't change in how He interacts with those people, too. They're being extended the same grace Mm -hmm. and mercy that you've been extended. They are being extended the same justice that you're, that you previously uh, would have fallen under. Mm -hmm. And so, or things like, um, where you have friends that aren't believers, remembering how gracious God was with Paul and how Paul's history was so like mm. uh, grotesque. And then knowing like that's the same God, that God can still save anybody else, even uh, no matter how far off you think they are. And this whole topic, just uh, my church, we've been doing an Old Testament survey class and seeing like the history of Israel and Judah and how so many things changed on earth like from the creation to the time the messiah came so many things changed i mean hmm. just kingdoms came and went judges prophets all these things on earth changed but the sit but it's such a testimony to god's unchangingness because there's one narrative 
one meta narrative the entire time. So all this history goes by where so many things have changed mm-hmm. and God did it. And it's the same story that he's unraveling throughout this history. And I'm like, only a God that's unchanging could do that. Like to have a plan that encompasses all of human history. And it's just, and to be, it to be fulfilled completely is mm-hmm. mind blowing. Yes, it's so comforting. And we hope you're encouraged to just trust the Lord. There is no, nothing, no one else that is unchanging. And there's no person more trustworthy than him. And I mean, think of a parent. Have you ever been promised by a parent or a friend something and then not come through? And God has fulfilled promises over and over again. And we have proof of how he is unchanging, as Annie talked about, just in scripture and history. It is all there. And we have no reason to not trust him. And so we hope mm-hmm. you are encouraged to continue to turn your eyes and plant your feet in truth and come to the throne just in full surrender to him because he is the only one that can be trusted in our contentment. If it is not in him, we will be in a really really scary spot. And especially like Alexa talked about this year, if you have not come to a place this year that you have not asked, okay, where's my hope? Because things have seemed hopeless at times. We hope that you will examine your heart and see where your hope is in. And if your hope is in God, then that's amazing. Continue to turn your your eyes towards him. But if you're trusting in other things that are changing, We hope that you will examine your heart and turn and trust and put your faith in an unchanging God because that is good news and the only thing that we can hope in. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And just one quick thing that I want to say, because I was thinking about this as Annie was speaking. There is this meta narrative in scripture. And I think, I mean, at least for me, I am able to get in this habit of studying the Bible because I love studying the Bible so much that it becomes almost academic. And so, yes, the Bible is a history textbook to some, some lengths. I mean, don't hear me say this wrong because it is inspired word of God, but it has history in it. It is, it is packed full of history. And I mean, the book of numbers, just go to numbers in first and second Chronicles. But, um, looking at the Bible through that lens of historic, but then also reminding reminding yourself that God doesn't change. You come to realize and be reminded that you're a part of this narrative. Like us today living in 2020 America or wherever you are listening to this podcast, you're a part of this meta narrative that God is orchestrating throughout the scripture and today. Like mm. his whole plan did not end after the book of Revelation. His plan is continuing today. So when we see in the book of Acts or in the book of John or any of the Gospels or anywhere in the Old Testament when God is calling people to follow him and reaching the nations for his name's sake, wanting his name to get out there, we have all of these verses of God having this desire that people know him. I mean, there's this missio day of scripture, like the mission of God just oozing from every single page in which he wants people to know him and and him giving us that great commission in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. That is not just applying to the apostles or the people within that time frame of Matthew. 
It is applying to us right now today because God is still at work. The plan that he had in scripture is still happening right now. He is unchanging. His heart for the lost has not decreased after the book of Revelation. He still wants people to go and make disciples. And he still wants people, his followers of Christ, he still wants them to be obedient and bring others to him. Our great commission has not ended. And I think like reflecting on the promise that he is unchanging read scripture knowing that like wow what am i learning about god in this passage okay so this is telling me something about god god is unchanging this is like this is for me today this is for me to know today like he was merciful to this person he was merciful to this person he was kind he was just he was gracious he was wise he was truthful like all these things that we can learn about god that is who he is today that is him And so I think just encouraging you who are listening, if you're like me and you read the Bible, um, you tend to read the Bible in a certain way and you love learning about it, but that can be a barrier. You don't put yourself in the narrative. And I'm not saying to unbiblically say like, oh, you're David and all of the life's problems around you are the Goliaths. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying (laughs) extend the narrative to your own life. Recognize that God is at work today. He has given you explicit commands in scripture. That does not just pertain to people from the biblical times. This is active. This is now. And so that was just something that I was encouraged by and um, something that I think we can all take as followers of Christ to apply to our daily living. That's so good. Everything y'all said was just such an encouragement to me. And I'm really thankful and excited for um, hopefully our listeners to be encouraged at y'all's words um, in the truth of God's scripture. I just I love just talking about these things with y'all I think it's such a casual casual thing and yet we all leave feeling really encouraged by the end of it no I'm sure we learn a lot more than even our listeners but it's just so I know be sharpened I don't even know how many listeners we have but I leave every (laughs) episode super edified and uh, encouraged yeah Iron sharpening iron, baby. Love yeah. It. yeah, we actually, we just do this for our own selves. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, we kind of do. I mean, I think this is truth that every follower of Christ should know and reflect mm-hmm. on. And it's not like, like, we're not the teachers gathering around the table, talking to each right. other and or educating the people listening. We're people who are wanting to learn more about God and are in awe, like as a collective whole, just wanting to talk about him and learn and quote people yes. like Grudem and Spurgeon and just uh, <laughs> like the Bevink guy, you know, like <laughs> just just gather around and um, as David would say in the book of Psalms, like recount the deeds of the Lord and um, mm-hmm. reflect on his mighty works. Yes. Amen. Amen. And if y'all want to join in on the convo, message us on Instagram, email us. If you have any thoughts of things, you know, that come up while you're listening to us that you want to, you know, go and message us and tell us about or any topics that you want us to focus on, please let us know because we really do take your suggestions and we pray on Mm -hmm. them and talk about them. So we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, But on that, I think unless y'all have anything else you want to talk about, let's move into the IG hot seat. Woot woot. Holla. So I think. Did you just say woot woot? Yeah. Do you pronounce the T? You pronounce the T? Yeah. I thought it was like whoop whoop, like with a P at the end. Anyway. I think there's two. I think there's. Woot woot. Woot woot. Woot woot. It's like a little German person. Big summer blowout. Yeah. I remember that guy. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so I think when this episode comes out, it's going to be the day before Thanksgiving, maybe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you are correct. um, (laughs) The IG hot seat today is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food item? Oof. All right. Wow. I already know this. This did not take very long. (laughs) Avery, that's a great question. So festive. (laughs) So over at my house, we have what's called the Thanksgiving bite. And this is something that my mom originated. And I just, I mean, you pick it up and you run with it because it's so amazing. Um, And so I guess it's a collection of three different foods, but it's one bite. So my favorite food is this one collective bite. And what it is, it is turkey. This is all in one fork. Turkey, stuffing, and cranberry sauce. And that's like the best, like just all in one bite. And that is like my favorite. Like, honestly, I don't need to have anything else. If I could Mm. have the Thanksgiving bite, like I am, I am in Twinkle Town. I am like Thanksgiving Central just with that one (laughs) bite. (laughs) So that's so cute. I didn't know y'all did that. I love it. (laughs) Yes. But what about y'all? Hmm. So festive. Annie? Oh, I'm torn between three things. Um, Is one of them mac and cheese? I didn't ask three. No, I actually (laughs) hope my mom's not listening. I can't stand the mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's like they try to do it homemade. I only like craft mac and cheese. So, or your mom cooks this mac and cheese and you are roasting her? Is that what I'm hearing? Poor Cindy. <laughs> I'm about to compliment her. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'll just say all three real fast. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I love deviled eggs and this sweet mm. potato casserole. It's like has marshmallows in it. It's super good. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. The classic. I mean, I'm sure everybody has that. And then uh pumpkin pie obviously i'm a huge pumpkin pie person so mm. see i like my whip i like a pumpkin pie with my whipped cream Ooh, yep <laughs> I, I would agree yes i get pumpkin pie and i like bury it in whipped cream and then i eat it <laughs> well isn't that how it's supposed to be done <laughs> oh of course oh, yes. <laughs> otherwise i don't eat it like if they were serving pumpkin pie Without whipped cream, I probably wouldn't eat it. Oh, yeah. It's no. got to be drenched in whipped cream. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was understood, but I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> Just to clarify. What about you, Avery? Um, So my family's a little unique with our um, Thanksgiving festivities. We Usually... eat Chinese food. <laughs> no, thank heavens. We still do the, like mostly traditional things, but we actually like have different things every year aside from Ooh. the turkey. We, like, my aunt brings stuff, my other aunt brings stuff, extended family brings different things, but we never have, like, the same type things, except for, like, turkey, pumpkin pie, like, that's pretty standard. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, like, consistently have, like, oh, that's my favorite food, because pumpkin Mm -hmm. pie is just understood. But this year, because my friend Courtney actually made it for me when I, um, a few weeks ago, she was testing it out on me. The she made sweet potato mashed sweet potatoes with this fancy French cheese in it, and Ooh. it was the most amazing thing. And I decided okay. it was my new favorite Thanksgiving food. But it made sweet potatoes like savory with the cheese. Whoa. It was so so good. We'll have to make it sometime just yeah, for fun, like when recipe. we're all three together. <laughs> yeah, like hit me up with that recipe. Is it online? <laughs> Is the recipe online? Because 
we could put it in the description of this episode for anyone else listening because I'm sure we're not the only ones that want that recipe. <laughs> I think I found it in a magazine, but I think you can do like you can Google it on Pinterest because I found it there too. So I'll see if I can add it below. But um, I think this year that's going to be my favorite, and I'm going to try to make it for our family's Thanksgiving next week or tomorrow when you're listening. To this. <laughs> I love that, and I haven't even tried it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope y'all have awesome Thanksgivings. We thank you for listening. I think we will be doing a few different Christmas episodes next time you tune in. So we hope you'll listen and join in on the fun Christmas spirit. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys, for joining. <laughs>